through uh, the Ten Commandments, and so today we're on the uh, Pastor Pete's on the Ninth Commandment. Uh, well, our scripture reading comes from Exodus 20, verse 16, found on page 61. It reads, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then our next passage is on page 913, uh, Exodus 4, 32 through chapter 5, verse 11. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but that had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that would belong to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled you heart with lie, with a lie, to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. While the young men came and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. This is the word of the Lord. I'm glad we already took the offering. (laughs) We put that aside. And let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, in Proverbs 12, 22, you say, that you detest lying lips, but that you delight in people who are trustworthy. May we be a people who speak the truth in love, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us, God. Holy Spirit of truth, speak through me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord Jesus, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. In early February, the face of NBC News, the anchorman Brian Williams, was suspended without pay for six months 
for having falsely claimed on the nightly news that he was in the line of fire in a helicopter in Iraq back in March of 2003. A claim that Williams repeated elsewhere, including the late show with David Letterman. Accusations that he was lying swelled after the military newspaper Stars and Stripes interviewed Army veterans who had accused Williams on Facebook of making up combat experiences in Iraq. And an investigation revealed one of the nation's most trusted newsmen embellished and fabricated at least 10 stories. Williams called it misremembering. Like the time he misremembered being embedded with SEAL Team 6. Then there was the time after Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina when he again misremembered a story he told of his hotel being flooded with toxic water and gun-toting looters. Problem is, it never happened. His on-air apology, by all accounts except his own, made a bad situation worse. The network's reputation was severely tarnished. And more importantly, at least to the, the executives, its ad revenue and ratings plummeted. It's been an abrupt fall from grace. Williams was the most watched news anchor in the country, and he had just signed a new contract with NBC, reportedly for more than $10 million a year. In the aftermath of his fall, he fell from ranking of 23rd most trusted person in America. Don't ask me who came up with this list. He was at 23rd all the way tumbling down the chute to number 835. Who's on this list? That low down of the most trusted people in America. He's fortunate to still have a job, albeit at MSNBC. No one seems to watch a lie can destroy a reputation, cost you your job, can even forfeit a life. And so God gave his people the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Now the direct context is the courtroom. When, when a crime was committed, truthful witnesses and transparent testimony was required. A person's life might hang in the balance on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So lying to the judge or, or being deceptive in business practices was condemned in the nation of Israel and throughout the Old Testament because a lying witness or a, or a crooked business person destroys trust and civilized society is built on trust. But more importantly, for Israel, bearing false witness was forbidden because it goes against the very character of the God of truth. God is truth, and we're to reflect that character. Now let's remember how the second tablet of, of the commandments work. We've, we've been working through this throughout the summer. We only have this week and next. With this second tablet, each forbids the extreme action of a particular sin. But the implications go much deeper to the heart's intention. So murder is the worst form of hate, the action to the intention. Adultery is the most destructive sexual sin, and so on. 
And in the same way, the ninth commandment prohibits the most deadly lie, condemning an innocent man for a crime he didn't commit. False witness, false testimony, that's the biggie, but it also applies to lesser actions that no less can still be incredibly damaging. It implies uh, exaggerating a story to make yourself look good. Why do we do this? To make ourselves look good or to feel good? The old fishing story where that fish that you caught just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger the more you tell the story of the great catch. Fibbing on a resume. Fudging the facts. Sometimes we deceive ourselves that a little white lie is just more convenient. Or we offer half-truths, leaving out certain details to sort of shape the story, maybe to get a laugh, maybe to get a little extra recognition from those who listen to us. But you see, these are forms of deception that break trust. Does anyone remember playing the telephone game as a child where you uh, have a circle of kids and you whisper something into your neighbor's ear, they hear it, and then they have to repeat that to the next and then the next and so on. And inevitably by the end of the row, whatever the first message was gets all garbled up and mixed up and it's a fun game. But it's not fun games when someone gets hurt. Raise your hand if anyone has ever lied, has ever been lied about. Has anyone ever been lied to or lied about? See some hands coming up. Has anyone here ever had gossip go around about you? See some more hands going up. It can be incredibly hurtful. Kids have bullied one another for years with the words they use. I was bullied a bit when I was in school until I reached over six feet tall when I was in the sixth grade. Somehow the bullies started fading away when I was that big. But back then... I would be bullied on the playground, in the classroom, on the bus, but at least when I got home and into my house, I was safe. Nowadays, with social media, the bullies can follow a kid home. There was an op-ed article in yesterday's Washington Post from the former executive from uh, Reddit uh, quoting a Pew study that said 40% of online users have had some form of of online harassment. 40%. Mostly women and minorities. Can you imagine 40% of online harassment? The Apostle Paul said the tongue, he says, quote, is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, corrupting it, setting the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself on the fire by hell. Wow. James does not mince words. That's James 3.6. Like a massive forest fire set by a single careless individual, a lying tongue consumes everything in its path. James also also writes that, that no human being can tame their own tongue. He calls it, quote, a restless evil full of deadly poison. Imagine if I asked James the same questions. Have you ever been lied to or gossiped about? He probably raised both hands too. And when the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and he was so afraid about the the spiritual condition that he would find when he arrived there, and the letter is very stark, very straightforward, some some terrible sins and and brokenness that are going on uh, within the church. 
but his list includes this. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, disorder. Where do all those come from? From our, from our lips. From hearts. Set to deceive. So we can see how the ninth commandment goes far beyond the courtroom. It goes to the powder room, to the locker room, to the classroom, to the chat room. Leviticus 19, verse 11, plainly says, You shall not lie to one another. And then in verse 16, Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Then God adds, Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. So the Lord our God equates slandering among people, slanderous words, with endangering your neighbor's life. The Lord's righteousness and justice were to be evident. They were to be obviously seen in the nation of Israel, which meant no lying, especially for the sake of gaining something at the expense of another person and perverting justice. Two more Old Testament verses for you. Proverbs 11, verse 9. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. And the prayer from Psalm 114, verse 3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. But an even better prayer is Jesus' own words, asking the Father in, in John chapter 17 to, quote, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Everything about God is truth. And as Christians, we are called to be the people of truth, defenders and discerners of what is true in a world where the father of lies lingers and where truth, and I'm putting little quotes around truth, has been twisted to appear relative and malleable. Well, what's, what's your truth compared to my truth? Yeah, we are called to be humbly, lovingly, but obviously people who trust the Bible by faith intellectually as infallible, trustworthy, true words from God. As late great evangelical theologian and philosopher and Presbyterian pastor Francis Schaeffer wrote, we must stress that the basis for our faith is neither experience nor emotion, but the truth as God has given it in verbalized prepositional form in Scripture and which we first of all apprehend with our minds. God takes truthfulness very seriously. Greg just read the story of Ananias and Sapphira from Acts chapter 5. In the first church in Jerusalem, many Christians, and by the way, this is so early on, this is before they refer to themselves as Christians, but many of them were, were selling their property, giving all of the proceeds to the apostles of the church. And Ananias and Sapphira were a couple who were a part of this church. They saw the life transformation. They witnessed the remarkable care of believers who showed one another such incredible grace on a daily basis. 
And many, many new believers were being added to their number weekly. And among them was Joseph of Cyprus, a foreigner, 250 miles away across the sea. And Dr. Luke records in in Acts chapter 4 that Joseph sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And the funds were then distributed uh, to each as they had need in the city. Everyone was so moved by, by his faith, by his generosity. I imagine mixed in with that, that gift was also a, a humble kindness. We've seen this here in testimonies given at Nielsville when people have, have been honored in our church for, for great acts of faith and they don't want any credit. It's, I'm just thankful to have an opportunity to serve, to make a difference. I think that's the, the kind of spirit that, that Joseph was communicating when he did this incredible act of faith. And so the apostles were, were so moved by his action and by the intention of his heart to, to be so generous and humble that they give him a nickname of Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. Now I have no doubt that Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to do their part. They did. But you see, their motives were a bit mixed up. Yeah, they wanted to do some good. They'd also like a little credit. They want help, but they also want to make sure that their reputation and their status within the church body increases. And so they sold a piece of property, but they kept back some of the money for themselves. Anything wrong with that? No, not at all. Their conscience could be clear to give cheerfully uh, and be a blessing as, as they determined uh, before the Lord. They could have just given a portion of it. That would have been absolutely fine. But somehow Peter knew something fishy was going on. This offering was, was given to enhance their reputation. They were communicating that they gave it all for Jesus. And Peter calls them on it. He said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? He said, the land was in your hands. Why have you contrived this deed where? In your heart. Peter called him out on his sin. Not for stealing or coveting, but for the deception that Satan had a hold of him, and he dropped dead right there and was carried off. And then three hours later, his wife, the same thing. Now let's be clear. There wasn't anything wrong with keeping some of the proceeds from the sale of the land for themselves. That was up to them. The evil that Peter was confronting wasn't about the money. It was that they told the church that they had given it all. The evil was their lie that was about to hurt the church's reputation. And that lie, that deceit, that broken trust could burn down the church community. It had to be renounced. If the church could not be known for their honesty as well as for their good deeds, especially in those early days as the church's mission was taking off, then it would crash and burn and falter. So they had to go. And Luke ends the account 
this way, writing, A great fear came upon the whole church and all who heard what happened. No kidding. It's pretty sobering. But I'd like to end today's message on a positive note. Because there's always a positive side to the commandments. Lies tear down, but the truth builds up. And instead of fear, I pray that a great fearlessness, an undaunted, gutsy courageousness, an attitude of courage would come upon this church. That's what Barnabas was an example of, of building others up in truth and speaking the truth even in hard situations. But he did so in such an encouraging, loving way. It was Barnabas who brought Paul to Antioch. It was Barnabas who spoke highly of Paul to the apostles in Jerusalem. And it was the same Barnabas who stood toe-to-toe with Paul to confront Paul when he didn't want John Mark to come on the mission trip. Barnabas spoke highly of, of John Mark to Paul. And later, Paul would write to the church in Ephesus 4.15, Speak the truth in love, and we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And so the positive side of the ninth commandment applies here. Seek your neighbor's well-being by promoting their good name. Don't you hate it when someone gossips about you? When you, when you hear other people were talking about you behind your back. It feels terrible, but the reverse feels great. Last Thursday night, we heard the report from, from Brian and Adam, and Chad wasn't, wasn't there. He was on vacation, but, but they shared the report that the, the search team had found Vincent, and they spoke of Vincent and God's calling in his life, that God had blessed us with a capable, called, passionate, believer who is going to make a huge impact, not only in our church for junior hires and senior hires and the next generation, but they're saying, this guy, he's going to do something great for Jesus throughout the whole area. And Vincent's hearing this for the first time right now. His ears are getting red. I'm sure he's getting, getting a little embarrassed. He wasn't in the room, but all the elders were. We were so encouraged. So when we met him, we were like, Vincent, you're so great. That's what we should have for one another. Paul goes on, Ephesians 4.29, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may may be a benefit to those who listen. So no more lying, twisting other words, backbiting or gossip. If, If anything like that comes up in conversation, just shut it down. Or walk away from it. Don't listen to it. Don't spread it. When someone says, hey, can I share some concern? Can you pray for me about Greg? I'm going to just share with you a concern I have for Greg. And really what I'm doing is sharing gossip about a brother. Instead of doing what Jesus tells us to do, going to the individual and talking it through. I encourage you to do that even today. Start with, help me understand. This is a conversation just between you and me. Can you help me understand this beef that you have with me or this this problem that you and I have to resolve? But don't let it spread. Speak words of encouragement 
and love. Now, we could get into scenarios and situations where not telling the whole truth may be the right call, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called living truth, like the midwives who lied to Pharaoh and saved the babies, or Rahab's lie to protect Joshua's spies in Jericho, and both were blessed. But at the end of the day, in the vast majority of our day-to-day interactions, honesty is the best policy. Cheryl and Jonathan and I are dog-sitting Pepper, who belongs to uh, my brother and sister-in-law who are in Italy with the family. And uh, it's been a fine time, but I think after a week, we've determined that we're not getting a dog anytime soon, if ever. But we used to have a dog. Before we moved here from Minnesota, we had a beautiful English Springer Spaniel named Stella. I named it Stella so I could yell, Stella! So she kept running to me. And I remember when we determined that God was calling us to Germantown, and we were going to start by living in an apartment, we couldn't keep Stella. She's too big. So I found a new home for her. And I remember sitting down with Jonathan. He was about four years old at the time. And I said, son, or I don't know, five, five years old. I said, son, a lot of parents, when it comes time for a dog to go away, say, doggy is going to go live on a farm. And that's not true. But it's true for Stella. She literally is going to a farm. And ever since, we've had updates year by year. Tell the truth. The Bible says the tongue can also be a tree of life, Proverbs 15, 4. Your words, spoken, written, or tweeted, can be used to heal, like the balm of Gilead. That is amazing, that the Holy Spirit can use your words to make peace. The words you say, and not just the words, but the attitude that you communicate, they can heal your marriage, can mend a broken relationship, can repair another person's reputation, and can help build a healthy church. You can give hope where there is despair, and the gospel truth in love when there is spiritual groping in darkness for the light switch. You know what else? You can speak words of truth to yourself. One of my favorite psalms that got me through many a dark night of the soul Psalm 42, verse 5. The psalmist is speaking truth to himself, crowding out, blowing out all those lies. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Again, Francis Schaeffer, and I'll end with this says, truth always carries with it confrontation. Truth demands confrontation. Loving confrontation, nevertheless. And he was writing about Christians standing up for the truth about Jesus Christ who came full of grace and truth. But the first confrontation with truth is when you come and you come face to face with Jesus. And when he tells you the truth about your condition without him, And when he tells the truth about your heart condition that needs healing and that we cannot claim to have fellowship with him yet still walk in the darkness, my friends, let's come clean. Let's get real with one another, with ourselves, with the Lord our God. Confession is good for the soul, 
It enables us to get right with God and with each other and to see clearly what Jesus did for you and for me. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the truth is, the beautiful, wonderful truth is that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, purifies us from all sin. Jesus experienced people bearing false witness against him throughout his entire life. False things said about the circumstances of his conception and birth, about his character, about his motives, false rumors spread about his teaching, the wonder workings of his healings, and it all culminated in a trial where the court listened to nothing but false witnesses. He knows what it feels like to be lied to. He knows what it feels like to have people talk behind your back. To be cut down by sarcasm for another's amusement. He knows how an abusive person, someone you trust, someone whose blood, someone you're married to, can be the very one with their words that cuts you down to size. He knows what it's like to have rumors and lies spread. And he didn't let it get to him. But that's because Jesus is perfect. The great news is he knows you inside and out. And he was perfect for imperfect people like you and certainly like me. And with faith in the true God, there's no more need for deceit. There's no need to put on airs or be boastful or puff ourselves up. Because the truth is, Jesus has a word for you today. He wants to speak truth into your life of how he sees you and the beautiful, amazing plan that he has for you and for me and for our church. So let us be a people who demonstrate love and speak truth, a people who promote our neighbor's good name like Barnabas, and a people who love God and love one another. Let's hold the truth without, up without putting other people down. And in the words of Proverbs 10, 11, may the Lord make our mouths fountains of life. Let's go to prayer. Let's pray, and as the time is running short, I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer with our time of congregational prayer and Lord's Prayer and then our closing hymn. Well, Father God, we come before you in this hour, and I pray, Lord, I, I sense that you are already at work in our hearts, naming those areas in our lives, Lord, those times that we've said something that we wish we could take back, or naming for us, Lord, those, those um, things that we've heard said that still hurt, they still sting, and we want to lay it all before you, and pray, Lord, that you would, you would bring healing to our relationships with one another. I pray, Lord, that we would be courageous, fearless, gutsy witnesses for the truth. And I pray, Lord, that through this, you would be glorified, your name would be lifted up high, and Lord, you would get all the glory and praise. No more fishing stories. Uh, you would get all the praise for the story that you're telling, that you're writing into our lives. Lord God, we thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for Vincent for calling him to kneel still. I pray, God, your blessing in his life and his calling uh, to serve the youth and the next generation. 
We thank you, Lord, for his girlfriend, Sarah. I ask you to bless her in her graduate program and in her training. We, Lord God, we pray for your healing and for your mercy and for your justice in the midst of our sadness and grief in the news that tragically happened in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee this week. Those men in uniform who, who gave their lives and were cut down as they were serving our nation. God, we pray against the, uh, the, the evil and the lies that are being worked into young people's hearts through the internet and even in houses of prayer where, where lies and untruths and darkness are spreading. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done, for light to be shown. Prayers, Lord, for uh, a brother who's unemployed and looking for a place to live. Prayers for encouragement uh, as this, this dear one seeks, a, uh, seeks employment. Lord God, we pray for Scott, a friend who's lost his way and needs to know your love and grace. And Father, we pray for our brother Damien, that you would bless him with, with good health as he, um, as he serves you. We pray, Lord, for Bill and for Winston, for their full and complete recovery. We thank you, Lord, for Anne being here with Jim as she continues to recover. God, please bless her uh, in her recovery. We pray all this in your son's precious name who tossed to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's stand and let's sing together, Lift High the Cross, hymn number 371.